to Down to the Nub Podcast, the cigar podcast show focusing on premium cigars and good times. With industry leaders, cigar giveaways, interviews, and more, here are your hosts, Cigar Show Tim and Brandon Cigar Mechanic Wells. Let's get it started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 18 of Down to the Nub. It is always hilarious because nobody sees what happens while that intro is going. And Brandon and I have to collect ourselves right before we come on camera and go, hey, how's it going? Because we're just doing the dumbest stuff in the world. But we got to have me. Yep. <laughs> Usually me. Like you're staring at your keyboard or you're doing stuff and you're getting things ready and I'm just here being stupid. <laughs> Dancing around and well, we'll, we'll we won't we'll share everything else. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I got my shirt back on in time. <laughs> I know, right? How you doing? Oh man, it's been a busy, busy week, man. Busy, busy week. And the week's just gonna get busier. Uh by the time everybody listens to this, I will have done like a 48, 48 hour turnaround to California. Uh, so looking forward to that. I leave when I was recording this, I leave tomorrow morning for California and I'll be back by Friday afternoon. So it's, there you uh, go. it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to the trip sort of, uh, but, uh, a lot of great meetings, not looking forward to all the stuff that's going on in California right now, but looking forward yeah, to right. people I get to sit down and meet with and looking forward to it, man. I get to give you a hug here in less than 24 hours. Seriously. I'm, I'm looking forward to hanging out and, enjoying a cigar together and, you know, wearing a mask when we walk in and then taking it off, taking a puff and putting the mask back on and then taking it off and taking a puff. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm not doing that, man. I'll walk in with my cigar lit. <laughs> this is my mask. Exactly. No, I it's uh, trying to get past this heat. Yeah, exactly. It, and, and evidently you're bringing the heat because it's well, California heat for this time of year. It's supposed to be near hundred tomorrow out here. So uh, oh, you poor, you poor children. I know, right? It's 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 oh. just going to be miserable. You're going to come out here and be like, "Oh, it's 15 degrees cooler. This is glorious." And I'm going to be like, "It's 100 degrees. This sucks. Go back to Arizona and take the heat." Bro, take I'm the heat packing my winter jacket. Like I'm, I'm I think I'm going to pack my. <laughs> it's 100 degrees. I'm packing a jacket. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I think by next week we're hitting 116 or something like that out here. It is just, it is miserable coming in right now, which is that's great. ugly. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. It has been a busy, busy week uh, with my regular job. Uh, we're ramping up. I work at a university for those people that aren't aware. I work at a university here in Southern California, and we're ramping up to open up our fall semester the end of August. And so with my span of care and job responsibilities, I'm back on campus now three days a week uh, and taking care of things and then working from home uh, the rest of the week. But it's nice. gotten busy with that. I finished up uh, today. I had a photo gig that I'd been working on for a project for a company for the last couple months. And he dropped off the rest of the product today. So I took care of that. Got to edit that, different things. It's been busy on top of in seven and a half days, our house sold. So from when you're watching or listening to this, it's now been like a week and a half since it sold. But yeah. we have to be out by July 29th. Uh, it's a 21-day escrow. And we've got three days after that to move out. And so it's going to be a whirlwind. But we're we're, we're blessed because the house sold at asking price. And so we, we know that, you know, we've, we've got what we need to move forward into the next house. We don't know what that house is or where that house is yet, but we're, we're, uh, Phoenix, actively Arizona. Looking, 
Yeah, no. Yeah, try and convince <laughs> the wife on that one. No, uh, I'm not gonna. No. <laughs> but uh, but we're looking for a house. The nice thing is we're blessed. My in-laws are uh, about half hour from where we are currently, and they've got a vacation spot. So we're gonna go and occupy their house until we find nice. and buy ours. And so we're we're blessed that we've got that opportunity, and we're just gonna put everything in storage and uh, yeah. go from there. But but it's been good. It's been busy, but it's it's been good. Good, good. I'm glad to hear it, man. I'm glad to see everything coming together for you, man. It, it, that was, uh, I know, a lot of stress and a lot of a lot of things going on for you. Absolutely busy times, and it's great to see it coming together. And uh, I'm excited to see the new studio. You just built this one, and now you sell the all right. Oh, what's wrong with you, man? I know it's it's it it was bad because I literally finished the last bit of the wall and putting up the sheetrock and doing the tape yeah. and the mud and getting all that done. And literally the next week, Aaron and I were talking. We're like, you know, interest rates are low. <laughs> we've got a lot of equity let's let's look into this and now a month and a half later oh, house is sold so the way i look at it is i get to build another studio and the things that i'm not particularly fond of this one even though i love the studio but the things that i wish i could do differently for the next one i get to do it now so i get to build yeah. another studio in man cave and i've already got all the blessings and permission to wall off half the garage and turn it into a studio man cave lounge all in one and so i'm looking forward to it it's going to be fun but yeah so i get to rebuild a studio so if you see any upcoming videos or lives where i'm sitting poolside roughing it uh then you'll know that i'm at my in-laws sitting by their pool enjoying life yeah i don't know if that's going to be ending soon man you might just get used to that i know right and we're looking for a house with a pool so we'll see and if not then we'll either put in a pool or get an above ground or something because i want to have water and a place to cool off and relax so, yeah, but enough about us. We've got a good episode this week. We've got yeah. uh, a friend of ours that is coming back on. We had him on a while back uh, talking about PCA and some different things. So we've got Patrick Legreed coming on to share uh, a news article and some different things that have changed in you know the recent days with PCA, with FDA, with ABC and LMNOP and all the other letters. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's I mean, X, Y, Z. And, you know, here's the crazy thing. Like the, if you talk about like our lives being crazy, you look at the tobacco industry right now, it has been, oh, man. I mean, there have been so many changes. It seems like in just recent time. And I feel like every time there's a new article coming out from half wheel going, Holy crap, something else has changed. And it's funny. I get excited by the headline, but the way that, you know, you know it's a lot of times like their legislation stuff, Charlie Minato's writing it. So it's, you can read that headline. You go like, this sounds really good. Well, there's but there's something else it? here that I need to find out because I'm missing something here. And you end up reading the whole article explained in depth earlier, uh, reading the article this morning. And I'm not going to explain that here. <laughs> yes. And, but, and for all the viewers and listeners, just just be glad. I'll put it that way. <laughs> he explained but, a natural process while reading and we'll leave the natural process out of the story now. Yeah, it's the best place to read your articles. And, uh, you know, it's nice and quiet. But it was, uh, it, dude, it was, it was really neat and interesting to read a whole other perspective because when, when I saw what was going on, I said, holy crap, this is exciting. And I didn't realize there's a whole other perspective to it. And that's the things I love about my conversations, my conversations with Patrick. That's the things I love about waking up every morning to half wheel. Oh uh, yeah, stuff because like I get to see all these different perspectives that I don't feel like I'm going to get from a lot of the other media out there that's in this industry, and I get to get the in-depth perspective from somebody that just loves to geek out on it. And um, Patrick's one of those guys. He just he just enjoys digging in, finding out the truth, finding out all the different the different perspectives and laying them out very very clearly. And that's one of the things I love about Half Wheel. 
Yep, I wake up in the morning and see it there. And I read, obviously, about uh, FDA and what's going on, which we'll talk about in a little bit, you know, and, you know, the different legislation and excluding menthols. Chapin, you'll be happy if you travel to that state. But, uh, you know, all the different things. But I, I read it every morning when I get up, too. So it's one of those things where I, I sort of know what's going on. And if I want to read an article, I do. And if not, I graze over because I know it doesn't directly impact me and keep on yeah. going about my day. Well, let's not waste any time because we got a ton to cover today. A ton yes. to cover. Uh, and so let's, without uh, without any more delays, let's get Patrick Legreed in here from Half Wheel and uh, throw him up in here. What's up, Patrick? How are you doing this evening, brother? Not much, gentlemen. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing well. Doing Tim, great. congrats on the house selling. That sounds like a, a nice win for you. So best yeah, of luck good, for the house search. Thank you. A good win during this crazy season, huh? Hey, you know, some days you got to take every, every win you can get, you know, so good yep. times, bad times. You just take all, take them all. So exactly. Yep. Take it all. <laughs> so Brennan, I, I have... knew that was going to get said uh, get yeah. as soon as I said it, but. And I tried to move forward and I was just like, yeah, yeah I knew. I knew yeah. You got to just. Brennan's got a lot of sleep tonight. So. <laughs> yeah. So what are you smoking, Brennan? I am currently smoking the Ipicarillo uh, Capa del Sol. Nice. I freaking uh, love this thing. I, I've smoked it before, I think, on the show, and this is probably one of my favorite from them. And I can't even tell you why. I just give it a thumbs up because I just think it's freaking good. That's not all I can say about it. See, and I've I just got, and I'll plug him here, little guy cigar shop, got the order that I placed on his opening day, and I got the Espinosa top tier or whatever label he's got on it that sampler pack that's got a whole bunch yeah. of them and smoked the espinosa laranja for the first time today and there may be a review coming on that uh in the next and it's not it wasn't the escuro it was the reserva um, yeah and had that for the first time uh and i i won't go into detail about my thoughts on it but uh you'll people will have to check out that review in a couple weeks but had that but i got the espinosa pack from him and then i also got the ep carrillo sampler pack from him and so i'm excited to try uh the new wave connecticut and some other ones that are in yeah. there that i've heard a lot about that i haven't checked out yet but the elite so, alonkos is in there and oh that's a good one. Oh, that's that's another one of my favorites from them the, the, now on the laranja did you get citrus notes from that i did not pick it up until about halfway through the first third because okay. I had heard a lot of people talk about it, and there was a, a sweetness that was there on initial light-up. It had sort of the cracker, breadiness, and things like that. And I got a sweetness, but I couldn't pinpoint. I mean, I could have forced and said, oh, yeah, it's citrusy sweetness. But there was just a sweetness about it. And then about half to two-thirds away through the first third is really where I started to pick up that sort of citrusy zest, if you will. Uh, and it yeah. carried it all the way through. And the cigar got better and better as it oh, went don't get in your review don't get I'm into not, it man. i'm not check it out patrick you've smoked it right i have yeah I smoked a lot of them it, yeah. it's good but my my thoughts at the end of the cigar first third was good second third was good final third you'll have to check out and see my thoughts on it you son of a cliffhanger because my, my my rating scale is very simple now the cigar is either nub worthy or it's not nub worthy. There's none of this. Oh, it's a 7.528 out of 10 and it's a this and it's 78 points. And it's I mean, nobody gives a cigar 78 points because if that were the case, it'd be in the trash can. But yeah, I don't mess with all. I, the, you don't really have to feel very much, do you? Yeah, there have been a couple turds in the toilet bowls, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, 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 no, I. 
I, I just, I went simple. A lot of people are doing the different ways and, you know, they're adding up. It's got 17 points here out of 20 and got this and then I just went, you know what? It's either nub worthy or it's not in my opinion. You either want to smoke it to the end or you don't. And so that's my rating scale. Well, it's not even there a scale. Go. It's just one or the other. So All real right. quick, what are you puffing on? And let's get into this. I am puffing on the Casa Cuevas Habano from the core line. It's it good. good. It's it very good. Yummy. And I yeah. haven't had uh, the Coraline one in a while. I had the Lamandaria about a week and a half ago and okay. just did a review on that one, but I hadn't had the Coraline one. And it's, it's, it's one of my favorites from them. It's, it's always good. Burns well, flavor, everything. You can't go wrong. I think Dora the Explorer explains that cigar the best by saying it's delicioso. <laughs> I think it's just so good, man. Yep. Yeah. That's like, and that's one of those great introduction lines to the, to Casa Cuevas. You mean you mean you mean those people right there? Those guys right there. Those guys right there. And Patrick, I would ask you what you're smoking, but we know that if you were to be smoking outside right now, you wouldn't have had to light your cigar because it's so wonderfully hot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's literally a lighter-free Phoenix right now. It's uh, we're yeah. I don't know what I lost count, but we're in the stretch. Excuse me, I'm like heat delirious. We're in the middle of a stretch of 110 plus degree days. Yeah, and. Uh, we are supposed to hit. I don't. I forget what day it is because, you know, everything's blending together. But we're supposed to have the warmest day in like three years. Yeah, one of these days. So it's uh, we're going to be up in the one sixteen, one seventeen range for a bit. And Sunday, it's, uh, Sunday. It's, yeah, it's. Yeah. I, I just lose track. And I was actually out earlier uh, smoking a cigar. Just you know, a little later in the day, about four o'clock, and Ugh. I had the swamp blowing, and it was just like. And and the cigar was just strong enough to kind of get, make you a little woozy, and then you throw in like 110 degrees, and you're like, "This is the worst idea ever." And then I can't quite see outside, but it sounds like I, somebody was setting off fireworks. So, because um, cool, you know, I it's mean, still the Fourth of July. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we're not changing the days, so just keep setting them off. So I know, right? We're giving you a nice little free fireworks show from my courtyard. So anyway. Yeah, you gotta love it, man. You know, at least at least you're getting something from out there, right? It's not just boring. It's yeah, and you know, it's so weird. Like, I, I'm sure everyone has this has you know the the all the coronavirus, COVID stuff affect them in different ways, and we we've talked about it before. But I was sitting out on my balcony on Fourth of July, kind of middle of the day, and like I didn't see a single person. And I live in a building with 300 ish units. Oh wow! And like downtown Phoenix f sounded like four in the morning, except probably quieter. Yeah. Wow. You know, like there was just, there was about no sound. There was no planes flying overhead. There wow. was no, I mean, I got used to, you know, when we were having, uh, you know, marches and demonstrations and stuff, I was getting used to hearing helicopters just going, Oh, well it's four o'clock The here come the helicopters and stuff like yeah. that. That's gone away. Um, hmm. It was weird. It was just it was an eerie quiet, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's been interesting to say the least. It was the opposite yeah, right. here in Southern California. They said all the law enforcement said, "Don't do fireworks, even safe and sane. They're all illegal." Blah blah blah. I would be willing to bet money on the fact that fireworks companies did better this year than mm -hmm. probably oh, the last yeah. couple of years combined because they did <laughs> with helicopters, media helicopters, and it was just like every other block. Everywhere yeah. and some of them. When you heard that, amazing. like in New York and a lot of places, like weird places, like New York City was having fireworks set off. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it was. I walked around the building a little bit to kind of see 
you know, if I could see anything from any one direction and it didn't feel, you know, like more than normal. So I don't, mm -hmm. I can't really speak to it. And look, I'm not a big fireworks person in the sense of, like, I just, I don't buy them and, you know, I don't make a big stink oh. about them. Um, but I always tell people like, yeah, you know, when you live in the desert and it's hot and dry, like an errant firework is not a great, or can really quickly turn into not a good time. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. You know, it hits a dry house or it hits, Something mm -hmm. and look, I mean, there's points and Brandon, you know this as well as anybody. I mean, we've got hundreds of thousands of acres of the state on fire right now for you know from lightning strikes and human causes and all this other stuff. It's like, yep. I don't want to be the guy that has a Roman candle go astray on me and uh, you know <laughs> set downtown on fire. So yeah, I was waiting to see a news article that said Piccolo Pete sets fire to Southern California, and have, yeah. you know the person that lit it go, no, it wasn't me, it was Pete. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was Pete. Oh, yeah. He had a piccolo. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> yeah, it was like a war zone up here by my house. It was like, like seven thirty hit, and it was just like a war zone. It just, it I mean, down. explosions everywhere up here. That is a giant cup you're drinking out of, Tim. This is a Stein. That's a Stein. A, it's a Stein it's a, it's from a an giant Stein. It is from an Oktoberfest where I used to work and. Uh, yeah, let's just say that they don't make them in glass anymore. Like this one is empty. It weighs like three pounds because it's so much glass and it's so thick. But they also learned that um, when people have two or three of these and they get into a fight, yeah. that they're just as oh, yeah. bad at causing damage and bodily harm as brass knuckles and billy yeah. clubs. Not, oh, a good yeah. idea. Not a good idea at all. Well, listen, let's get into a couple of things that, uh, Patrick, you obviously are super knowledgeable about the industry. You keep your thumb on everything constantly on the pulse of this thing. Not your thumb, but your finger on the pulse of everything <laughs> constantly in the industry because it would be weird to have your thumb on it because it's obviously that yeah. doesn't work. Um, but uh, I know you've got your finger on the industry all the time. You're you're waking up at odd ends of the evening because or morning because you're just getting your phone bleeping at you when stuff goes crazy i can imagine that like the last couple of days have probably been a lot of that for you just because of these changes going on yeah i mean certainly you know mm -hmm. we're we're getting into the summer release schedule and you know we are right now um i mean you and i would be in las vegas if this was a normal year for the pca trade show yeah. and it would have um, been my first time being there but no yeah, yeah i had to had to bag it um you know so certainly we're there are companies that are still trying to keep on that schedule of having released cigars right around now. So we're still working through that. There are some companies that have had to push back because or push back release dates because you have factories that are not operating at full capacity. So right. we're still tracking all that stuff. And then uh, whatever it was, we got a, we started hearing some rumors going around and then we got an email from the PCA, which is the premium cigar association, formerly known as IPCPR, uh, which is the, the retailer uh, trade show or trade association and they're best known for putting on the trade show and uh, being one of the main uh, main portions of the legal fight against FDA. And we got an email that popped up and it said, there's going to be a media conference call coming up in about an hour. Here's the link to the, to the zoom chat. And if you can't join, here's the phone number. Um, and we went to work and found out, some pretty interesting news about uh, the staff of the PCA. Yeah. So what's going on there? So the PCA uh, decided to, well, and I, it's interesting because you have this kind of dual level 
situation of the PCA. You have a board of directors, which are retailers, and then you have seven staff members. So you have a CEO, you have people that handle federal legislation, state legislation, uh, retail member services, uh, the you know the event planning, stuff like that. Uh, so my understanding is the board of directors decided to furlough the entire staff of the PCA beginning on July 15th with no, uh, no set end date uh, mm. for when the furlough would end. There was some talk during the conference call that they hope it will be over by Labor Day, so that first week of September, though at this point that's really tough to say. But mm. certainly with, uh, the, with there not being a trade show this year, that hurts their revenue stream. Right. Uh, and again, we, you know, we'll never be privy to all the decisions and all the discussions that were had, but yeah, the uh, board of directors of the PCA decided that uh, that was the best move for the organization to furlough the staff for what will probably be seven ish weeks at least. And again, it's, yeah. it's always hard to say because you never know, you know, what will change and, and how the world will develop. And, and certainly this year, it seems like, you know, as soon as you got everything sort of figured out, you know, something else comes at you. Yeah. But uh, for all intents and purposes, you know, the PCA will be without an office staff uh, until, again, let's just say through the end of August and maybe into September and certainly maybe longer. Who knows? Um, that all said, they are very certain and very confident that there will be a trade show next year uh, in okay. mid-July. And so, you know, at some point, the you know, people are going to have to come back to work to get that going and certainly legislation and, you know, things like that are not going to slow down as we've seen. No. Um, and, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a summer recess because a lot of states take the summer off um, as far as active legislation. Mm -hmm. So it's not the worst time for them to do it from that perspective, but certainly, you know, there's the industry and, and the world doesn't slow down just because you're on furlough. So it'll be an interesting couple of weeks to see what develops and, and how the PCA returns to, you know, whatever normal is going to be uh, after this furlough ends. Now, now did I read did I read something saying that they're pulling out of legislation right now as well, right? That's exactly what yeah, I was going to bring up. Yeah, so they've suspended the contracts with their lobbyists. Um, <laughs> now, what that it's kind of a weird thing when you hear that um, because you know they have an attorney and it's you know their attorney is not like a parking meter. It's not like you have to plug it you know to keep putting coins in to keep the light green. Mm -hmm, um, right. You know, he will work and he will still do things and. All that stuff has been budgeted out already. So unless something really weird comes up or comes out of left field, you know, they sort of know what their their costs and their contribution is going to be for the rest of the year. And he's okay. going to keep working and he'll bill them. So it's not like, as we understand it, the PCA is withdrawing from the lawsuit and, you know, not going to contribute what they've promised to contribute, which is effectively a third of the bill. Um uh, you know, what gets interesting is, you know, what could come up at a state level, for instance, that they would have the manpower and the interest to, to try and mobilize people or, you know, or put some weight behind. You know, we've already seen tobacco, the what's called Tobacco 21, is at the federal level, and we're seeing more and more states enact that. So that's probably sort of a moot point by now. So that's not going to be something they're going to really fight. And that wasn't something that, like, you know, PCA was really campaigning against because premium cigars for the 18 to 21 year old segment aren't a huge source of revenue. No. Um, 
but again, you know, it's, it's smoking bans, it's taxation, it's, um, it's those things that the PCA has tried to, uh, mobilize their membership to, to fight against along with CRA and, you know, and, and state organizations. But yeah, I mean, it's, it'll be interesting to see kind of what this does to the day-to-day and the, the day-to-day operations, as well as the, uh, you know, what they can choose to get involved in and, and what may fall more to CRA, uh, which is more of a consumer-based mm-hmm. uh, entity, although it is funded significantly by manu- by a handful of manufacturers. But yeah, it's, it's again, we're, we're kind of staring off the edge of a cliff and seeing uh, what, may be, what may await us on the way down. Now, do we know is is the board going to be the the contact point, if you will, in this interim, with the the lobbying side and the lawyer and all those different efforts, or is it just going to be a disconnect for that time period? Like, is there any? Everybody was furloughed. I mean, it, it was put out there that everybody from PCA was furloughed, so there is no actual representation of PCA right now, but. Is there going to be any kind of connecting link? Is the board stepping in in the interim? Do we have any idea what that looks like? Yeah. So the board of directors will still um, will, will will now oversee effectively whatever the day to day operations are. Mm-hmm. And we, as we understand it, Scott Pierce, who is the uh, executive director of PCA, will still like pop into the office. I guess I don't know exactly the specifics, but again, like when calls. you're, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're furloughed, you're technically not supposed to be doing work. Uh, So that falls to now the board of directors, which are all uh, cigar retailers and it's a volunteer basis. So they are in theory now taking over the day-to-day operations of uh, the PCA and whatever that entails. And certainly, you know, they will be the main contact for, for the lawyers and, you know, for probably membership. Again, at what point do you really notice a drop off? I mean, if I'm a retailer and I, email in because I can't remember what my password is um, to find out, you know, something on the, on the website. Does that email get returned as promptly as it did? Probably not. Um, You know, are there conversations with, you know, I don't know if they're they're having conversations with the Venetian and the Sands for next year's show that maybe get delayed. Who knows? And again, it's, it's really tough to, to speculate on what that all means. I think the most interesting takeaway of the whole thing is that when you generally see organizations have to go through furloughs, uh, you generally don't see the entire organization get furloughed. Uh, right. You, you'll you see, you know, some real tough decisions made as to who's going to be there and who's not. And this is an, an instance where it's seven staff members, if I'm not mistaken, uh, who got, fur- or, you know, who are on furlough as of July 15th. And that's really sort of an interesting thing because, again, those duties in whatever capacity they're going to materialize now fall to some group of retailers who volunteer their time as the board of directors for the PCA. Yeah. It seems like an interesting time for that because with, with the show not going on this year and it seems like, you know, as I'm talking to people, there's still a lot of uncertainty on, you know, some of the answers for that, certainly from some of the manufacturers as well it seems like a lot of these manufacturers may want to call in and get some answers as to what's going on with, you know, deposits, what's going on with, yep. you know, next year's show, we, we, you know, we move it on, you know, all these types of things. It seems like there's certainly a, there, there, I would think that there's a whole 
slew of questions coming in on a consistent basis right now, just trying to figure out where they're at with next year's show and the cancellation of this year's show. And, you know, here we are effectively seven days or, you know, a few days away from possibly those answers not coming. Yeah. And, and, and certainly we don't know all the communication that was had, um, between PCA and exhibitors, um, Mm -hmm. And as far as what, you know, deposits look like and, and, you know, what the, you know, what the coming weeks look like and, and what they've been told. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And, I, and I'll be interested to see if, you know, when July 16th rolls around, if you were to send an email to everybody at PCA, what the out of office says. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're you not know. here. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> I mean, do you know, who do you contact? Is it, you know, if, if you're, if you're asking about legislation, is it, the president or the VP is a, if you're asking about trade show, is it the secretary? I mean, you know, who's going to provide some sort of answer. And if, and if you forgot what your password is and you need it reset, well, tough. Well, and yeah, I mean, we'll get back to you. Matter? Does, does the password even matter if you don't have staff sitting there updating a website? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, you can go beyond that. And I mean, I assume that you, you know, in the media, you know, especially in the cigar media, that you're getting a lot of your information from PCA on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, you know, a hub of, of information for things. Um, and, you know, there, it's interesting as we kind of tackle different things and have, and have seen how PCA has sort of evolved, especially on a legislative front, because, you know, issues and topics change and what they feel like is the best deployment of their resources um, has seemed to evolve over time and that's normal and natural. It's not a criticism, sure. it's just, mm-hmm. you know, things change and they have to focus on certain things. Right. Um, and they've tried to mobilize, uh, state entities to do a lot of things. So there's, you know, in Arizona, there is a, there's an association of retailers that is affiliated with PCA to, you know, to speak up on behalf of the, on the local market should, you know, somebody, uh, propose a tax increase or something right. like that because you know ultimately it's easier to maintain and mobilize at the at a more local level than it is you know out of an office in DC or if you're doing a regional thing or whatever it's it's much easier to have that because then you have you know a little bit more direct access hopefully to your legislators and things like that sure uh, so do we think that there's going to be, and I know it's all conjecture, but do we think that there's going to be efforts on the FDA knowing that this lobbying body and PCA, the trade show and everything that's going on right now, do we think that there's going to be some sort of sneaky, we've got the opportunity to, to get some stuff out there, activities taking place? Because I know that one of the things that was in the article that half we were released was about, you know, the substantial equivalence and the, you know, the date that it was pushed back to for September and all those different things. Now, hey, they'd like to reopen it, but we can't. And is this, you know, all those different things. Do we think that, or is there any idea as to whether or not the FDA may look at this as the open door golden road opportunity to just start shoving things through? The enemy is no. sleeping. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that because I mean, first and foremost, you know, FDA is a government entity, and um, I know this may garner some, you know, some snickers or whatever. But like, it's really tough to do anything sneaky when it comes to like public health policy because they have to put out notifications yeah. of of proposed rulemaking and stuff like that. I mean, it's really tough to to try and sneak something by. 
um, people and especially people who are watching, which leads me to the second point, which you still have CRA and you still have the Cigar Association of America yep. who are still up and running and active and actively monitoring this. And again, it's not like C uh, PCA has, they're still employing a lawyer. I mean, they've had this budget right. uh, for the lawsuit effectively laid out for the entire fiscal year. So it's not like, you know, it's not like they're they're pulling all the money off the table. Uh, they're not selling the building that they occupy in Washington D.C. Mm -hmm. They're not selling off investments that they have. Um, you know, they're they're taking this as a cost cutting measure of, you know, how and however you want to look at that, I'll leave that up to to each individual. Um, but no, I, I don't think FDA is doing this. And you know, the other half of it too is that like FDA is kind of getting it from both sides, so to speak. Um, Meaning that you know they have lawsuits and 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 uh, eyes on them from the premium cigar side. They have lawsuits and eyes on them from public health advocate side. They have lawsuits and well, not lawsuits, but they have eyes on them from Congress. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they have you know they have a lot of eyes on them. So it's not like something is just going to sneak through. Um, right. And again, they you know they are required to. Uh, you know, to put out notices of of any changes to rules and things like that, and so yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't foresee them doing anything sneaky too, because again, they're also so far down the road here that sneaky is is not like sneaky is not how they're gonna they're gonna get to their end goal, right? Oh, and I think people forget that there are a lot of other organizations and a lot of other people watching. It's not just the PCA. And at the end of the Correct. day, PCA is still a business. So, I mean, they've got to do what's best for business so they can continue to stay open for the long term. And if that means furloughing for a period of time, then that's what that means. Yeah. Just and, just, and just to clarify one thing, I mean, it is a nonprofit. So, well, yes. Um, I mean, I just want to make sure because, like, people here, it's a business. Well, it's, I mean, it is a 501c6 nonprofit. So that creates some interesting things. Like, they weren't able to get a PPP loan um, from the government because, you know, their that classification was not eligible for for that loan funding right um, and that was something that was brought up you know when they made the announcement is if we had been able to get that we might not be in the situation but we weren't and certainly the trade show and everything else so here we are <laughs> well it's that interesting would be kind of, that would be kind of ironic though for them like a, a an organization fighting against government legislation to get a loan from the government <laughs> to continue so fighting against to stop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting strange, because strange times like strange bedfellows. So, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. And we, we know that without going into details, we know that PCA did have X amount of money, whatever that is in reserves and different things to that nature going into this year. And we know that obviously not having the trade show puts a, a huge hit on that. But it, it, it's kind of surprising to me that they have to take this, I'll use my wording, drastic of a measure for everybody in order to be able to continue or to do what they think is the smart approach, knowing that as a 501c6, that they have to do you know reinvestment, some different things that they have to do, that they – that they needed to make a decision like this for everybody as opposed to going, all right, from middle management down, we're going to furlough you for the next few weeks, but we're going to keep the executives. We're going to keep that, you know, obviously it'll be looked at negatively, but it's surprising to me that they had to make a decision that is across the board, no exception, 
everybody is furloughed because they, I mean, Scott had even said in a recent interview, look, it's going to hurt us, but we're still okay. But four weeks post that interview, when he was on a different show, he, he had said, Hey, we're going to be okay. It's going to suck for a while. It's going to suck for a year. We've got a, a you know, a, a definite dip in what we wanted to do. But now to get to this point, to make such a, a a blanket decision for everybody that the board makes seems almost to speak of a different tone. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to figure out. And, you know, Charlie and I have certainly been accused of being critical of PCA, and rightfully so. I mean, we're, you know, being critical is not a bad thing, in our opinion. Um, it's, it's looking at things in as honest of a light as we can. And and I think the thing that he's tried to stress, and I certainly have come to see, is there's this argument to be made about doing things and then doing things recklessly. And, you know, you can go back to the name change from IPCPR to PCA, the the plan to launch CigarCon, which is the consumer event at the trade show. I mean, those were things that were done without, like, membership approval. And yeah. as we understand it, not even lots of outreach. And... You know, there's one thing to go back and look and say, boy, like, I don't know how much it costs to get that logo changed and to, you know, reprint all this new stuff. You know, I, would it be fair to say that logo probably cost $15,000? Maybe. I mean, graphic designers and marketing firms are not cheap. Um, and, and then the patent and legal fees for trademark and all that. Yeah. And you can certainly go back and, and look at it and say that was, you know, that may not have been a great decision. And we'd certainly like to have that money back. But it's this whole thing of like, you know, are we doing things or are we doing things recklessly? And that's where I think a lot of the criticism tends to stem from. And, you know, Scott has been honest, I think, and in, in forthcoming in saying that, look, yes, the lawsuit is creating a drain in our budget. Yeah. Um, and look, but again, you know, they they've been coming into this probably for the last year and maybe even before that, depending on when the bills started rolling in, you know, with heading down a really not good path. And I, and I say that from like, you know, you incur everything from the PCA name change. Uh, you know, you make the cigar con decision, which did not get met with a lot of um, affection and, and welcomeness. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you go into the winter and you get the news of the big four, leaving the trade show and that certainly was going to have some financial impact. Yep. And then you go to, you know, uh, the, the trade show having to get canceled and that money is certainly not coming in. And, and we don't know the net effect of what they may have had to pay out for right cancellation or, um, you know, lost hotel rooms that weren't booked and, and things like that. So the, again, we won't see that for a while because, you know, they don't have to disclose it until they mm -hmm. put their financials out. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's like, again, we knew that there was a drain because of the lawsuit. Now it's, you know, are we still talking about the word drain or are we talking about like some significant holes in the, you know, some, some holes in the foundation that's yeah. creating bigger problems than we may think. And, you know, the other half of the whole thing too, and is that, you know, they have a couple of million dollars as we understand it in investments that they chose not to tap into. And if you're looking at a staff of seven for six weeks, seven weeks, I don't know what that is, but I mean, we couldn't find $500,000 to keep people employed. 
Mm-hmm. I don't right. know. I mean, again, and that that's an arbitrary number. So just you know, I'm using that as a sure. as a as a discussion point. But it's a but, valid curiosity. Absolutely, you know, and and then you go down the road and say, well, if we can live without staff for six to seven to eight weeks, okay. So then, like, what does this mean for the bigger picture? Right. And you know, again, they're going to have to come back, and you know, there'll be more trade show stuff to start worrying about, assuming. Uh, and, you know, there'll certainly be more legislative stuff and there'll certainly be things that require, you know, an office staff to take care of. Uh, but again, like it, it certainly does kind of make you wonder, because like I said earlier, usually when you see furloughs, you don't see the entire staff get furloughed. Yeah. Right. And this is an interesting one, because now, it, as I understand it, you know, the day to day responsibilities are falling to the executive board, which is retailers. Yeah. So yeah, they we'll have see. their own problems to worry about, their own things to think about on a daily basis with their own shops. Yep, they certainly, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, I that's quick, they have staff, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about this too just now, like working with a lot of the manufacturers, like I do. I I see a lot of where they're still putting together PCA, you know, quote unquote PCA deals, uh, because sure. this is the time that PCA should be going on. So we've got these deals that are coming out, and here's what we would have been offering. Uh, some of them are saying, hey, because of the dollar savings of not being at PCA this year, we're taking some of the money that we would have been paying out and we're putting it towards even better deals than we could have offered had we been at the PCA. Um, you're also seeing uh, four big companies going around doing a tour right now together, partnering together on a tour across the country. Um, mm. I, my curiosity to this is how does that affect next year's show when it, it seems like anytime you can say, hey, manufacturer – you survived this last year and still got the same amount of orders or still you know, effectively did possibly the, pretty close to the same amount of, you know, profitability. Um, does it make sense for these people to come to the, for the manufacturers to come to the show next year or do they save their dollars and do the same thing again? Yeah. I mean, that was a, that's been the discussion that we've been asking and, and having since, uh, well, I mean, there was a hypothetical it's been being asked for years, which is, well, what happens if we don't attend the show this year? And I can go yeah. back to 2013, 2014, having that conversation, you know, casually with people and thinking, well, I mean, cause there's, there's companies that spend well over a million dollars on their trade show uh-huh. investment. Oh yeah. And think, well, what can we do with that? And now, you know, you actually get to see it and it stops becoming a hypothetical. Right. And, you know, when we were talking in January or February about, you know, Drew Estate and Davidoff in general and Altidus, we were talking about four companies and obviously Villiger had gone through it the year prior, but you know, four companies who weren't going to be at the trade show and they were going to have the, the actual experience and the taste of not being at the show. Well, now the entire industry gets it. Yep. And certainly, you know, if there's one thing I, I don't like is trying to solve for multivariable problems. And that's what we're in right now is because, right. um, you know, you've got the the economic effects of COVID-19. You've got yep. just just a, kind of a, a shaken up world, if you want to call it that, for lack of a better word. And then because of that, the trade show doesn't happen. And right. I bring that up because it's not like this was a normal year. And for some odd reason, like the Sands uh, – for like, again, like the sands fell down or something. Right. And 
and the venue wasn't available and there was no other place to book it. And it just was like, this is, you know, the act of God kind of thing that we just, we didn't have a trade show, not by our own doing kind of thing. Right. Like everything else was still normal. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, again, it's tough to see. And, and again, I think it, it sets the discussion for, okay, so if we're, you know, we get to end of July and you get to August and then you start having that discussion of like, okay, so what did we miss about the trade show this year? You know, did we like, what, what did we miss? And then you have the conversation about, okay, here's what we missed. How much is it worth? And figure out what the number is, you know, again, like, look, I miss, I don't like necessarily miss the hustle and bustle of the work of the trade show. And right. you know, it's just, you know, cause I like not going to bed dead tired after walking 20 miles every day and, you know, <laughs> and camera and tripod and, and microphone and this and bag and, you know, like everything monopod um, monopod. Yeah. I mean, but I definitely miss like seeing people, you know, there's like, there's a lot of people for who, for the, you know, I only see them at the trade show. Right. And so I definitely miss that aspect of it. And then you say, okay, well, Patrick agreed. How much do you miss seeing these 150 people? Let's just say for, you know, 15 minutes each in the middle right. of an event. What's that worth to you? Yep. Well, you know, and again, it's not a single variable for me because, you know, as a, as a media outlet, we would cover the show and all this other stuff, but you can start to say it from a company's perspective and say, okay, well, you know, manufacturer X, you spent $200,000 at the trade show last year. Right. You know, and you didn't do it this year. What's your return on investment on those two years? And is it worth it, you know? And again, or do you rescale? Do you revisit? Do you, you know, does the organization have to really now provide better value? I mean, there's, there's all these myriad of questions that we can start answering now out of real world experience and not hypotheticals, you know, because we will all go through it and see what the effects are. Well, and I wonder what kind of impact it's going to have. And, and I brought it up last time we had you on, you know, is this going to propel TPE even more? But in the back of my mind, part of me is wondering now if some of the manufacturers are realizing we can still offer incentives and do different things and not spend a quarter of a million dollars, a million dollars, whatever the dollar amount is, and still get enough of a return by not going, are we going to see manufacturers that go, TPE was phenomenal last year and it cost less money, but let's see if I can be creative again and just find another solution, another way of doing it. And look, there's no guarantee that TPE is even going to happen with what's going right. on right now. And we know that, but I wonder if instead of it propelling TPE, because that is the only option to have things, if people are going to go, you know, we came up with a really good plan B. I wonder if we can come up with a plan B for TPE. And does this change the trade show industry for a year or two as a whole? Or what lasting effects does it have on the entire trade show industry for the cigar industry? Certainly. And that's, you know, it's been interesting to see the different approaches that people are taking. You know, Brandon, you mentioned the roadshow that um, four companies are doing. And it's, I think the roadshow idea, the name is a little misleading because it's, you know, they're, they're, it's being led by local reps. And then some principals are flying out to different places. Mm-hmm. And certainly with the travel restrictions and just the reality of the world right now, it's not, 
Um, it's not like a bus is, you know, right. hopping. It's not, it's not the cigar industry, you know, uh, Concept 2020, you know, right. <laughs> burn, burn down the roads kind of thing. I want the t-shirt yeah. with all the city names on the back of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and, but we've seen, you know, a lot of manufacturers take, uh, you know, take the zoom idea and try and yeah. spiff it up a little bit. I mean, you know, Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust is doing this, um, like they're pitching it as like the timeshare presentation or something, you know, and I haven't seen it yet because, you know, I don't think they're opening it to, to media, but the whole idea is like, you know, come and listen to our timeshare pitch mm-hmm. and it's Saka educating retailers about how to market the cigars and, and display and stuff like that. So it's an educational component and then there's some sales tie-in at the end just like a timeshare pitch that i'm sure i don't know if you've all been on i remember being on one of them yeah uh, i go for my free voucher and you tell them no fifteen thousand times and you walk out right. and say hand yeah. me my voucher right exactly so you know there's that i and again i think we talked about this earlier last time i was on too is you know somebody and i, I maybe not this year because the timing might not have been um there might not have been enough lead time but like somebody is going to really step up with a just a incredibly novel idea, yeah. and I going back to like virtual reality or augmented reality or some kind of video presentation or some you know something just really, uh, really embracing and of technology. Mm-hmm. And well, I, I know that one of my manufacturers is doing something really cool where they're doing a VIP experience, and so we're finding mm-hmm. some of the some of the shops that have supported this brand for you know, quite a while, sending them a little gift. There'll be a Zoom meeting with the with the the head of the manufacturing company. And um, they'll, they'll all smoke one of the cigars together, which is going to be a new release. And it's going to be a really cool, neat experience uh, that you wouldn't get at, at the PCA show. I mean, right. that, that's really difficult and very expensive to set up something like that at PCA because now you're talking about renting a venue and doing a dinner with it. And it's going to cost you you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not a hundred thousand dollars to get just, you know, 30, 40 people in a room that are your top retailers and say, Hey, let's all smoke this new one together and talk about it. Right. So it is interesting to see all the different ways that people are coming together to make this, I guess this PCA time um, that would normally be allocated and see how they're making all that work and function so that they can still try to provide as best of an experience as they can and I don't know, man, I think, you know, part of this is also to look at is beyond the manufacturer is the retail drive of this. How much money are they saving? How much, how much are they enjoying the fact that they're not having to take, you know, five days off and go spend all the money to be in Vegas and essentially walk around, you know, six miles a day on a trade on, on, on the show floor to get that 15 minutes with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, it's, Everyone's going to have a real, and I hope they have it. You know, I hope everyone takes a critical look at this time yeah. and says, you know, what, what am I missing? What do I want out of this? Yeah. And what does that mean for next year? Or, you know, yeah. or and again, TPE is the next one on the horizon. Um, you know, if that happens, uh, and then certainly, you know, PCA, like I said earlier, is, is confident that there will be a 2021 trade show. Um, they already have the agreement, in, the agreement in place, and things like that. Yeah. Now, again, what does the world look like in a year? Who knows? I mean, yeah. 
long, we got a long way to go before we get there. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it'll be really interesting to see what it, what it means. And again, it, it's at every point, you know, the things come down to a, is it worth me putting out that, that amount of money to make whatever this is happen? Yeah. And look, the world changes. I mean, you know, Tim, you've seen it. You're having to yeah. make adjustments, you know, to your work, to this new reality. Yep. We're all adjusting to things. And sometimes something just comes along and kicks something, you know, square in the butt and forces it to evolve into the next thing. And it'll be interesting to see what that is. Yeah. Now, I want to transition into the article that was written today and, and put out, or I guess it was written probably yesterday, but I saw it in the email today. Mm -hmm. which is about the FDA and um, all the new stuff going down with FDA. Can you give us a synopsis of kind of, it was a long article. There's a lot to read there. I recommend reading it by the way. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to take in there. Yeah. It's, and it was an interesting story to, to help put together because it was a, technically it was a win for the industry, meaning that, you know, a, a, an appeals court, said to the FDA, like, you've gone about this whole warning label thing wrong, and now it's not, you know, we already knew that warning labels weren't going to have to, uh, you know, had gotten suspended because of the, you know, the entire process needing to get completed, and that's sort of been confirmed. It doesn't mean that there's never going to be warning labels on cigars. Right. It still means that, you know, the Altidus, the uh, General, uh, Swisher, and Drew Estate, uh, Altria, who owns Nat Sherman, they're still going to have to put their warning labels because that was part of the master settlement agreement from many, many years ago. And, you know, there's still going to be the Prop 65 labels that have to be on stuff in California. Good old California. Good old California. We don't uh, know how to do anything except tell people that everything causes cancer. <laughs> I mean, you and WebMD, I guess, you know. There you uh, go. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, so it's it's interesting in that it is sort of a win until you start to kind of unpack it because, again, it doesn't necessarily mean that there will never be warning labels. And it doesn't – I think the bigger issue that exists is that the, the whole argument from the cigar industry, the premium cigar industry, has been for the last 10 years, you know, we are different. We are, we are not the same as these other products – and we should not be treated as such, meaning we shouldn't have 30% of the lid of a cigar box have a warning label on it or something, gra you know, some graphic sticker or something like that. Mm -hmm. And what had sort of been set up prior to uh, this most recent ruling is that there was going to come a day when the FDA, who still has not defined what a premium cigar is, and the cigar industry, and assuming other you know, some other people with, with interest in this, we're going to have to get together and argue out what a premium cigar was. And there was going to then be a federal definition, which there is not. Mm -hmm. And there's right. been attempts to try and get it based on weight and size and component and dollar amount. filters and dollars. I mean, there's been all yeah. these different attempts yep. um, to try and get, but there's still not a federal definition of what a premium cigar is. So now like, because the FDA went about this thing wrong, which is effectively the contention of warning labels and their effectiveness on actual reduction of, of smoking rates. They're now sort of, everything is back a step and we, I'm trying to, think how to phrase this. Like 
there's not going to be this discussion and this definition, which, I mean, look, for people like Charlie and myself, we were super excited to see how this one was going to play out because it's always been the the elephant in the room and that you had right. people on both, you had enough big companies on both sides of the issue who didn't necessarily want the same definition. And yet, like the premium cigar industry was saying for years, we're different. We are not the same as, you know, a Swisher Sweet and a Black and Mild and a whatever else that was calling themselves little cigars or whatever right. the case may be. Mm -hmm. It also opens up a really interesting door for the e-cigarette and the vaping industry as well. And they're, you know, I think when their people get through processing what this, what all this means, it's going to create a whole nother kind of wave of lawsuits or not, you know, there's some challenges. Uh, right. And, you know, unfortunately it doesn't do anything for the, for the uh, substantial equivalence deadline, which is coming up in September. And there's still a lot of headaches about that. And there was even a discussion about pushing that back. And that got uh, denied because, Again, FDA is having uh, anti-tobacco advocacy groups making sure they're staying to task, and Congress is certainly going to try and keep them to task. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a win in the moment, and but again, the further you dig down, I don't necessarily know it's it's quite the win that I think the 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 real premium cigar core wanted, at least as we'd been led to believe up to this point. It's sort of opening Pandora's box. It's one of those, be careful what you ask for because you just might get it. And now that Pandora's box is opening and people can, you know, oh, hey, celebrate the victory. Cool. The warning labels, all those different things. But now that we, you know, win that one, you know, subjectively based on your perception of it, it now goes into, oh, shoot. Now we really have to put ourselves into a category and classify ourselves and our products and what we're doing and it's oh shoot now it's a whole nother world where yeah the flavors and all the different things i mean california and the you know flavor tobacco ban and all those different things that have taken place right i i just see it being in it's a pandora's box of we didn't realize what this little victory does to the entire war yeah and certainly i mean look the cigar association of america which has you know all to this and I mean, President Altus is, a, is their chairman. I mean, they certainly should see it as a win because it, mm -hmm. in theory, it it avoids that whole, you know, the line, the discussion of where the line should be drawn. But again, like when you go to the premium cigar side and, you know, which is like, you know, the CRA members, which is really interesting that, you know, we saw CRA celebrating it. And again, like, yeah, it's a win, but is it really like, are we going to, in two or three years, are we going to be sitting here saying the same thing? And again, like, you know, the whole argument has been, we're different. We're different. We're not the same as this stuff. And now we sort of are all the same as this other stuff, hmm. at least as of right now. And the discussion is not going to be happening at least anytime in the foreseeable future. So. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, there's so much to take in on that. And that's a whole nother perspective that I never even, I mean, to me, when I saw that, I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we kicked their ass. Like, dude, let's do this. Let's keep going, guys. Let's well, we've got a win under our belt. Let's go. And it's certainly not Yeah, the that. interesting thing about that is is, <laughs> is, is is almost more like, it's not like we kicked their ass. It's like the FDA just didn't have their ducks in a row, you know, to right. quote something that we wrote in the article. And yeah, what's they interesting had to have is the burden he, of proof, and they didn't do it. They had the burden of proof to show what the result of of the labels is, and they didn't. They didn't adequately do their job. 
Right. And, you know, the, the issue that was really concerning and was addressed, if you go read the, the six thoughts article, um, was that even like the idea of what a warning label is and where it would need to apply wasn't even really solidified. So we knew about boxes. Um, but then, and like, we didn't know about like advertising. So right. like, does an email for an event at a store count as advertising and thus subject to a warning label? Right. Does a poster count for it? Does a catalog count as advertising? And manufacturers had to submit their plans for this rotating warning label thing 12 months in advance. Right. So imagine like trying to plan out rotating a message on a catalog, you know, and then it was like, well, what about Instagram ads? Right. Like, you know, does a, does an Instagram ad from the actual company differ from the Instagram ad for that company's sales rep? And then right. does that differ if the sales rep is employed by the company or is an independent contractor or even consumer and again, like, well, consumers, we always knew were going to be safe because they weren't, they weren't necessarily advertising. Yeah. But if, if but you say anytime it comes from the company and they're putting the message out, right. that was, that was where the warning labels had to go on, but it was affecting retailers as well. What a big part of social media is, is, and what people love is, you know, I remember when I first started in this industry and I first started my cigar mechanic Instagram page, I think it was Crux Cigars. What's that? Free plug, free plug. Yeah, free plug, cigar mechanic. Go follow him on Instagram. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, great photos. Uh, anyways, when I, when, I, when, I, when I first put up my Instagram page, I remember one of the, I think it was Crux Cigars was one of the first people to repost one of my photos. And I just remember being like, it was, it was young in the industry. I just started this thing. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world that, dude, Crux saw this and they reposted it. Well, now if there was warning labels in place, would they have to then on that repost modify that post to include a warning label that covered 30% of whatever photo I had posted on Instagram and put that up there? Not only that, but, you know, I own a screen printing company. You know, so when I'm printing some of the shirts for some of these manufacturers, when that warning label first started coming out and they first started talking about it, Drew Estate right away was putting warning labels on everything. A lot of, you know, all these guys were, the big guys were putting warning labels on right. everything right away. They're like, look, we're in compliance. Like, <laughs> almost like hands up going, it wasn't us. We're good. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, you look at all the hats that Drew Estate's putting out there. And I mean, I was well, someone from one of the Drew Estate, you know, people that does marketing and it's got a big, huge warning label on the side of the hat. And it's one of those, hey, we're going to make it obvious. We're, we're following and I remember the rules. having a conversation with these guys and saying, you know, it was one of the companies I was talking to. And it, we, we were putting the, you know, obviously the name and the logo of the company on the front of the shirt. And part of the logo that could be removed said cigars. So I said, well, you know, if we're really concerned about the warning label thing, why don't we just put the name of the company and leave the word cigars off? That way it's kind of an advertisement. It's still an advertisement for your company, but it doesn't say cigars. So it kind of walks that gray area and we may not have to put the warning label and, you know, because that's additional printing cost. Uh, if sure. you blow through your shirts on, you know, because you did a couple of great events and people were just all about it and they got the cool shirt, you know, and then you're going to go and try and print some more and you hadn't planned that 12 months in advance, like all that stuff really started kind of coming to a head. And it's, it, it is interesting to think about that. And that's the thing that a lot of consumers don't see is that whole, I mean, at the end of the day, they go warning labels on boxes. And, and as a consumer, you tend to be in this, like, you know, the blinders on, 
And when you really open that up and you see everything that affects, it's a lot bigger picture than what people think. Now, I've got a question because we've used the phrase warning labels on boxes because of COVID, because of the lack of availability of boxes. A lot of people are doing the paper wrappings and all that. Is the letter, and I'm asking this because I don't know, is the, the letter that they have to follow essentially, you know, the letter of the law, does it specify just boxes or is it the packaging that the cigars come in that has to have the label on it? So it's, it is the, it's the box um, in the sense that like they don't have to put a warning label on the cellophane of an individual cigar. Right. But we see a lot of pa- like paper package bundles now because right. they aren't boxes. Cellophane bundles. Yeah. My, yeah. if it, if it's that it would have to, my understanding is it would have to be labeled. Okay. Um, whatever the, it's the, the whatever the packaging that the item is shipped in okay, and designed to be sold in. And again, like there was, that was a real big concern when this whole thing came about was, you know, everyone knows cigars come in boxes for the most mm-hmm. part, bundles and certainly, but again, like, you know, it's not like that's the only way they're sold. They're certainly sold by singles. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the issue was, well, then do we have to put warning labels on every on every cigar and then like how do you make sure that you're covering 30 percent of two sides of you know a, a cylindrical object and and what do you do for cigars that aren't in cellophane and does that right. mean everything's gonna have to go into and so the there was clarification on that that it was it was the box the main primary packaging was the one that actually had to have the label so my assumption with that would be that if you're selling in bundles you would have that sticker on two facings of of the bundle or whatever that yeah. finished package is because we've yeah. seen a lot of those paper packaging i mean with all the ones that are being Absol- released oh, absolutely, there are yeah. multiple manufacturers now i mean I, i've seen pictures of a bunch of different cigars that are all coming out from a variety of manufacturers that are you know essentially it's a brown paper bag that they put right what the cigar is you know the sticker of what the cigar is on it and you know it takes it back to you know the late 80s where you actually got paper bags from the grocery store and they're basically you know <laughs> right. wrapping it in that and putting a sticker on it for what the cigar is and sending it out and that's why i was curious does it if it specified just the box because that was you know other than bundles that was what cigars came in or if it was the package is delivered as a um a bulk offering other than a bundle yeah. cigar yeah it's if if the understanding has always been that it would be the the actual sort of uh, main retail packaging format mm-hmm. so whether that's a you know a five or ten count butcher paper wrapped bundle or a 25 count cigar box or even like a hundred count uh you know that case system that like you know Rocky uses for the edge and stuff like that. Right. Whatever your main retail sales format is. And I think that also goes back to like, how do you sell it on a sales sheet? You know, like, like, you know, I can't go to you as a retailer, Brandon, and say, uh, I need, you know, three sticks of cigar X and, you know, five sticks of cigar that I have to buy them by the box. Right. So that's, that's the format in which it's determined. Yeah, that would be interesting to see some of these like these hundred count cab boxes with thirty percent coverage on the top and thirty percent coverage on the front. That'd be a giant freaking sticker on this thing. And what would that font size look like? I, yeah. I'd be able to read well, it without my contacts. 
<laughs> I'll tell you what's what's really interesting is when you get to places in other parts of the world that already that have this requirement. Yeah, um, you know, and certainly it it sort of varies because there's there's been workarounds, but like Habanos, I mean, and their distributors have to figure out like how to make this stickering thing work um, for certain products. And there's boxes that. You know, look, I mean, regular production boxes or even like limited editions or uh, edition regionales, I mean, they are slathered in stickers. Mm -hmm. And what they end up doing, I think, for some of their stuff is they do like a uh, like a false box kind of thing. Right. So like a humidor release will come like in a box and then right. that box comes in another box and something else. And it's that top box. It has to have the stickers on it but i don't i don't know if that means that they can't display anything inside it it's right. kind of a weird like there's all i mean again somebody creates rules and somebody starts figuring out how to get around them you know yeah it, it is interesting to get a box of cigars from other countries too and you see the ones that have that and you know some of those countries were even requiring pictures to be put on there of you know unborn like you know these fetuses oh. or you know, blood in the urine and a toilet, like these disgusting. I have a box in my humidor right now that's got this giant sticker on it, and it's nothing but a picture of a toilet with like bloody urine in this like nasty bathroom. It looks like some truck stop bathroom, but it's just oh, like yeah. broken with like blood in the urine. You're just going, What the crap? I still want the cigars. It's just a disgusting picture on the front. It didn't change the fact that I wanted the cigar. Yeah. And yeah I no, I have a box from, uh, from France sitting around here somewhere, and on the lid is a guy curled up in the fetal position under like a bed sheet and in yeah. french it says tobacco causes impotence and, and is, did that cause you to not want to buy that cigar still not at all and so that's part of the argument isn't it it's like that's just proof right i mean obviously it's, one person's not proof but you're one of majority of the people that put whatever sticker you want on the front of it i still enjoy a cigar for what a cigar is about which is you know the enjoyment of the flavors of that cigar the experience of it, the conversations I have with it, the, right. the unification that the cigar brings. And I think that's the big piece that, you know, and I, I would love to see that talked about more with the FDA. And I honestly, I just don't think, you know, it's obviously not really something that's provable, but um, I would love to see that be a part of the differentiating factor of us. I mean, well, yeah. And that's, and it's kind of a slippery slope though, because you could certainly make the argument that, you know, there's a lot of people at workplaces and at bars who like to go out and fire up a, you know, a Marlboro or a, you know, whatever. And that's community building and it's socializing right. and stuff like that, but it's giving you lung cancer. Yeah. Um, it's kind sure. of a tough, and again, it's when you talk about FDA, I mean, you, you really have to stick on, like, you got to stick to the science and you got to stick yeah. to health effects. And that's so, what I mean. It's, but it's I'm with you though. I mean, it's tough to describe that. I mean, I, I would love to take a busload of all the FDA people and drive around high schools and say, you, here's the smoking section of high school X where everybody goes and hangs right. out at lunchtime, point out one person that's smoking a premium cigar, something that doesn't have a wood tip on it. Cause certainly yeah. you're going to see the kids sucking down a Swisher sweet or something like that, but you don't see the guys sucking down, you know, an eight to $20 cigar you know, in the half an hour of lunch, trying to look cool with the rest of the kids, you know, it's like, no, I mean, look, it's like we talked about earlier, it's 109 degrees or whatever it is out here. Yeah. Like I make a conscious decision. I am not going outside to smoke a cigar for 90 minutes or two hours because it will be unenjoyable, yeah. but I can look out my window and see people on other balconies 
and they're, you know, working down a little, you know, they're working down a camel or they're working down a, whatever it is, sweating their, you know, what's off. And I'm just saying, no, I don't like, if I'm not going to be comfortable and enjoying it, I'm not going to be out there. Yeah. And that's one of the defining differences that everybody talks about is cigars aren't addictive. There, there's, there's a difference in the way that they're, there's a difference in the enjoyment factor because it is an enjoyment factor. It's not a necessity to be able to function throughout your day. Granted, people that smoke three, four, five, eight, ten cigars a day, it's a habitual thing because they enjoy the experience of it. It's not a habitual thing because they can't even go an hour after waking up without having a cigar in their mouth or in their hand because their body is just rejecting them. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I was talking with a friend about that the other day, and um, he's not a cigar smoker. And he said, you know, can you go a day without smoking a cigar? And he didn't think that I could. And I said, dude, I've gone a month without smoking a cigar. I mean, there was a point that my wife was talking about addictive properties of it. And, of course, you know, her being Native American, my argument is that your your people use this for years. You're the one that introduced me to this. Thank you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Native Americans brought this to us, babe, and she didn't buy into that one. So I had to go and, you know, for me, it was proving it. Hey, listen, I'll go the next right. month and not smoke a cigar. I have no oh, problem. Yeah. And I didn't go no, through I mean, terrors or night terrors or itching or any of those addictive things. What I missed the most was these conversations. Right, And if there's any part of it that I'm addicted to, it's the conversations, it's the camaraderie. It's, it's, I mean, Patrick, you and I talked about it on Sunday and, you know, as we get, when we were together in the group and just how much that means to us to have that time together, to have adult conversations and just be able to smoke a cigar together and talk about just the world, whether we, and you and I disagree on a lot of things, but we get along. And right. we've, we've had heated arguments that we both respect each other's side and the end of the night comes and we go outside and you're like, Oh, Hey, by the way, my brake lights out on my car. Do you mind checking that out real quick? <laughs> hey, no problem, brother. I'm not like, ah, screw you. You don't agree with me. You piece of crap. You know, it's like, right. We had that commonality together of just enjoying the cigar and we can always come together on that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think for, you know, for me, and I know there's a lot of people that smoke cigars throughout the day as they're doing you know, whatever their work is and it, it fits into their daily life. But for me, you know, when I'm not smoking a cigar for the purposes of a review, it means that I actually have some time to sit and relax and right. read or listen to a podcast or just, just not be uh, a producer, if that makes sense. You know, there's, yeah. there's always an inflow and, you know, and an outflow of, of what you do. And, you know, and a lot of what I do is, and we all do this. I mean, we're all putting out, stuff whether that be phone calls and emails or voiceovers and cigar articles and whatever the case may be um and we all need that opportunity to be able to take in things that help us remain grounded and creative and uh just engaged whether it's again a you know it's a novel or it's a movie or it's something you know music or whatever the case may be and for me like when i get to do that with a cigar or you know a conversation certainly um, that to me is, is that, uh, you know, that flow turning around and letting me be on the receiving end of, of, uh, what, you know, whatever, whatever relaxation, whatever entertainment I want to be on the, on the receiving end of that, at that point. 
Yeah, you right. get to decompress, you get to unwind, and you get to just sort of relax. I mean, I was an avid cyclist for a number of years, and that was how I would blow off steam from my work week or that day or whatever the case may be. You know, and, and cigars is very much like that. It's it's sort of the the release, the unwind, and it's not because of a, a chemical need in my body. It's because of the sheer experience and enjoyment of being able to just sit back and I mean a phrase that I use with my wife that we both use with each other is I just want to be brainless I don't want to have to think I don't want to have to answer questions I don't have to do anything I just want to yeah. be brainless and being That's able to enjoy cigars allows that yeah, yeah. absolutely and, and if this was really so killing on my system I mean I, I look back it wasn't it Michael Jordan would smoke a cigar before every game I mean it was like yeah it's like, hey you're gonna get fined for that cool follow me I'll write you a check when we get here you know it's like I'm smoking a cigar before I go on the court and and be one of the best basketball players ever to play in the game uh, yeah. you know you look at that and go did that really destroy his his ability to do his job which was be a superior athlete? It, well, and, and even you, you get back to kind of, you know, normal people. I mean, there's a lot of longevity in this industry. I mean, there's oh, yeah. people that are in their 70s, 80s, 90s. Uh, I mean, there is, and again, it's it's tough to, you know, to to isolate something because we all have our own makeups and we all do different things. But look, there's a lot of people in the cigar industry who make it in their 80s and 90s, and they're smoking a lot of cigars on a daily basis. So, oh, yeah. You, you look at the George Burns of the world. And George, George Burns. Yeah, you look at <laughs> and he was not a, a petite corona smoker by any means. And he attributed having cigars daily to relaxing and living a long life because it enabled him to relax. And you know, there's the statistics yeah. and the studies of you know, men that smoke cigars typically live a year to a year and a half longer than men that don't because they have less stress in their life and all the other benefits of it. But yeah, you don't hear of this you know, person at manufacturer X, oh, they passed away at 45 because they've been smoking since they were 18. You just don't hear it. Right, right. No, I mean, you look at, you know, Jose Orlando Padron lived into his 90s or close to, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Carlos Fuente. Uh, I mean, there's there's the list. And again, those are just some of the two bigger ones that come to mind, but there's a lot of people that, that made it well above the average lifespan uh, oh, yeah. in I mean, the industry. Robina. Robina. Yeah long long life and started in cigars what in his 20s oh easily yeah yeah it's probably younger than that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it, it is interesting to see that and it, it's you know for me i enjoy the opportunity to educate people that that don't understand this that do compare it to cigarettes or to you know big tobacco uh um, right. to even just bring up some of these people that are known for cigars um, in and out of our industry, because obviously people that aren't in the industry don't know who Fuente is. Um, right. You know, be able to talk about the George Burns of the world and say, I mean, look at this guy. Look at that guy. I mean, do you really think that this person is is dying slowly because of this? It's a completely different thing. And yeah. I mean, there, there's doctors out there that talk about it, how you know stress is such a huge part of men's life because we bottle everything up and we're told not to share emotions and now all that stuff, so we, we everything's inside of our minds all the time, and we're just so consumed by everything because we're just inherently not emotional characters and don't release those emotions that we have. Um, and so our way to do that is to sit down with another gentleman and, and have a conversation. And many times it's done over the hour and a half or two hours that you're smoking a cigar. I mean, yeah. Patrick, you and I met because of cigars. Absolutely, yeah. 
And, and I consider you one of my one of my closest friends and one of the people I trust, you know, explicitly. And oh, thank my, you. Likewise, my kid to death. I mean, it's <laughs> it met through cigars. Yep. No, absolutely. I met either one of you. I would have never known either one of you if it wasn't for cigars. I mean, it it, it yeah. brings people together, and it's one of those things that that uh, look. And we could go on about this, obviously, ad nauseum. But it's one of those things that there is so much more personal connection and and camaraderie and fellowship and community and whatever whatever other label you want to put on it that cigars helps bring people together i mean some of the, the best conversations i've had with people are over a cigar or over a beer or over a drink and it doesn't make any of them bad it's a tool for people to get together and share life yeah mm-hmm yeah, so I, I just wish, I mean, kind of going back, you know, full circle, I, I wish that that part of it can be expressed to the FDA. I mean, I and I know that, Certainly. like, they're, they're a government agency, and they, you know, they keep the emotions out of it and all that stuff as best as they can. But, you know, to me, it's like, and it's hard because I think the consumer doesn't understand, too, that the FDA is getting pushed by people that are against tobacco. You know, Oh, I, absolutely, I yeah. It's so easy for all of us to sit here and say, it's cigar companies against this big government agency. Like, but there's a whole nother slew of people that are pushing the other way. And they're kind of in the middle getting, it's a, it's a game of tug of war really is what it is. Well, yeah. How many I mean, people have the FDA? Yeah. I mean, the FDA is a flag on the rope and we just need to see which way that, you know, who's going to win this tug of war. Yeah, no. And I mean, we had FDA at, uh, I think they were, they were, well, they were, they were at TPE and then yeah. I think there were some at uh, IPCPR last year at the trade show. And, you know, the, the feedback that I got was, overwhelmingly surprising well overwhelmingly positive and surprisingly so yeah um you know on both sides that you know look let's we understand and again i think the tough part too is that fda is you know whatever you want to say about them they are only doing what congress instructed them to do right and that's kind of a tough one too because it's you know yes they're tasked with how to carry it out and how to you know, bring this thing to some sense of feasibility. And we're, you know, 11, 12 years into the, to this act that's, uh, that was passed by Congress. And again, like, you know, they're, they're just trying to do what they're directed by their bosses effectively. Right. So it's tough. And again, like I say, and then you, to go back to your other point, you know, you've got health advocacy groups that are, that are on them every minute of every day and have a lot of money and are make a lot of noise. And, you know, that was one of the points that somebody had asked about in, in one of the articles was like, well, what isn't like, why doesn't FDA just like back this whole thing up and just start over? And the answer is like, cause you don't know what an absolute like Cluster. tsunami of <laughs> train wreck, uh, everything that that would yeah. cause, you know? And again, like FDA doesn't want, Again, even if it's two steps forward, one step back, okay, like we're still getting there. But like yeah. if they just if they undo all the all the stuff they've done to this point, I mean, man, you talk about one just finding yourself in a world of hurt, both from the the health groups and Congress. Yeah. And I tell you, like say what you will, but I mean, those are two entities that can make your life pretty unpleasant in a pretty short amount of time yeah yeah, yeah. you don't want to mess with that yeah. <laughs> yeah the train's going down the track and and a crash would not be a good thing 
No, and yeah, you just you're not gonna like you're not gonna back it up and and no. and re rack it. I mean, right. Again, sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have to take a step back, but you're not going all the way back to the depot to to try and rebuild this entire thing. And you know, it's not it's again. You know, they all say like you know, government is like watching government is like watching sausage being made. It's not really pretty. Um, <laughs> it's it's just not a it's not something that's always clean and 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 appealing. Get that visual. And it's tough. I mean, look. The know, difference is figure. the end product of sausage is good. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, I think if we could get, I mean, like, I think there's a lot of people who come out with genuinely good intentions, try, yeah. you know, when it comes to government. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work out that way. And certainly, right. you know, anything with with regulations is, is always going to upset somebody. Yeah. And... You know, we can have that argument if you ever have a free ten or twelve years to. I mean, I don't know how long your your, your <laughs> podcasting records for, but uh, you might want to you might want to buy a hard drive that goes for you know a decade or so, just because yeah, right, we could right. have the regulation argument forever. Oh yeah. So, but you know, we'll get there, and again, we'll just we, you know, the substantial equivalence thing coming up in September is going to be a really interesting one because yeah, again. You know that's going to determine the next phase, of everything, and uh, and 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 then you have to be sort of acknowledging that this could still sort of get not undone, but you know there could be another appeal filed somewhere, and right. still waiting on specifics on a lot of things. And yeah, it's interesting to see, to say the least. Which is you know again why we hope people stay involved and and stay up to date and. You know, when the when the calls to action come up, we hope that consumers and retailers and the industry will will heed them and uh, and reach out to the people that need to be reached out to, and you know, make make the biggest difference that they can. So, yep. Well, I feel I feel like we can go on and on and on about that. Um, and what I would really love to do is, you know, I would love to invite you back again on our show to talk, uh, especially about that substantial equivalency. I think there's a lot of consumers out there that are hearing that word. And certainly it's becoming more and more prevalent as the day gets closer and closer. And I, I would love for us to, you know, if you, if you be so inclined to come back and, and be able to have a whole nother show talking about just that. Yeah. You just let me know when, you know, you know where to find me. Yes, sir. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, well, and it'll probably be 140 degrees by that time. So, you know, yeah, no kidding. You're broadcasting Holy. from the refrigerator. <laughs> well, I, I really from appreciate a bucket of ice in the bathtub, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that, man. We'll, that'll, that'll be a great show. We'll all be sitting in bathtubs buried in ice. Full and ice. That'll that'll just be an audio-only episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it as that. Well, Patrick, we really appreciate having you here on the show. And, My um, pleasure. Mind, let us let everybody know, where can they follow Half Wheel? Where, they can, where can they find you directly, uh, those people that want to follow you? Yeah, so halfwheel.com is really the place to start. Um if you're not signed up for our daily email, it's a really nice way to get the headlines and the articles in your email every morning. So you can kind of wake up and see uh, what happened in the industry the, the day before. Uh, we'd certainly love to have you stop by the site a couple of times a day. We try and have something new for you throughout the day. So that's again, halfwheel.com, just like it sounds. You can follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, half wheel. Uh, if you're looking for me, you can find me at PHX cigar guy on Twitter and Instagram, but Honestly, most of the stuff that I write about goes right to Half Wheel because that's kind of our main channel for stuff. And 
you know, we've got some great contests that are running right now and lots of other fun stuff. And there's really, you know, some slow days in this industry are few and far between. So always lots to check out and we try and make sure there's all something new for you to, to read about, whether it be a new cigar or a piece of legislation or an opinion on something. So again, half wheel, H A L F W H E E L.com. And what we'll do for everybody that's listening in the podcast and watching this is we'll put a link down below to the article so that you can go and, I mean, going to Half Wheel, it's easy to find all the articles and search for them. But we'll put a link down below that's got all the information that we were talking about today with FDA and all the different you know topics we've covered with PCA and all the other letters that are in the alphabet. But we'll put that down <laughs> in the description in the show notes below. Awesome. So that way you can go and click on it and check out Half Wheel. And if you're not already in tune with what Half Wheel is putting out, we do highly recommend that you yeah. uh, you remain uh, remain aware of what's going on, especially in light of all the different things that have been changing in the recent months. Just stay aware of what's going on, and Half Wheel is a great outlet to uh, to become very in tune with what's taking place. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. fun to read about the cigars and you know the new products and stuff like that, but. You know, at the end of the day, it's it's important you stay up on you know taxation and stuff like that. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Virginia's tax just doubled. Yeah. Um, and I know there's probably some people that woke up and went to the cigar shop on July 1st and couldn't figure out why their favorite cigar now was 75 cents more than it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, you know, we, and we're going to start seeing that everything is cyclical and it's going to slow down a little bit with the summertime. But you know, again, you get to the end of the year and you start seeing these bills come in and somebody wants more tax on your cigar, you know, you need to be out there and again, send an email, make a phone call, something like that. And thankfully I think that's one of the big things that we offer is that is keeping people plugged into when those things come up. And so you can stay involved and know that it's time for your voice to be heard. So. Yeah. Well, Patrick, we appreciate you being here as always, man. It's a pleasure pleasure. sharing all the knowledge that you have has been just absolutely uh, amazing. So we appreciate you very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Anytime. You guys take care. Perfect. Thanks so much, Patrick. We'll catch you soon. What a ton I'm of information. Full. Dude, I'm like, I'm like full. I was like, dude, I thought I knew, I, I, I thought I had a kind of a grasp on it. Yeah. It's like that whole like, like <laughs> mind blown to talk like a millennial or not whatever generation they are now, but it's, it, it's, it's crazy how much information comes out on a consistent basis regarding the cigar industry, aside from the releases of cigars and this special yeah. toll and, you know, all these different manufacturer giveaways and perks and things like that, but how much activity, and I didn't realize it myself until I subscribed to the daily, you know, emails from half wheel, how much activity there is in the cigar industry that takes place yeah. every single day from a state with their taxes to flavor tobacco bans to what's going on with legislation and other areas of the industry. There's so much that goes on. And that's one of the things that, you know, we love about having Patrick on and come and share the information that he's got, obviously, because he is a wealth of knowledge and half wheel again. And we said it the last time he was on half wheel is not just Patrick. It's, it's Charlie, it's Brooks. You know, there, there are multiple people that all, all run half wheel and all of them have their specialty in their area. But, being able to tap into one of the three main arms of half wheel and get some of that information 
you know, leave a comment down below. What are your thoughts? What what have you heard? What are you wondering about? What questions do you have? Go ahead and put those down in the comments. And if you're not subscribed already, please click on that subscribe button and ring that bell so you know every time we put out new content or when we go live for Down in the Nub Live. Because really in the comments, that's where the conversation takes place. And we would love to continue the conversation with all of you and uh, and keep it going. Well, and it's such a blessing to have a guy like Patrick. And I know that all of I know that all of you out there have a lot of questions that can certainly be answered in a very intelligent light, uh, a lot better than Tim or I can handle. Uh, <laughs> that can get answered by Patrick, and we definitely will be having him on here again as well. So, to have those questions from you guys just helps really to you know us to find those answers for you and bring them to you. So, uh, those comments are greatly appreciated. And uh, you know, you and again, like I always say. Thank you to everybody that supports the show. Thank you to everybody that tunes in, that downloads on the podcast, that tunes in on YouTube, um, that follows us live on Sundays. We just greatly, greatly appreciate you because it's it's because of you that we're able to do this and that we're able to continue to bring this information to you. So thank you to every single one of you for your time, which we know is very, very valuable, and we appreciate you sharing that time with us. Yeah, and you can connect with us on all of our socials. We say it every show, but on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, we are at Down to the Nub. Yep. Uh, YouTube is youtube.com slash Down to the Nub. So anytime you want to reach out, DM us a question, thoughts, whatever it may be, please reach out to us because, again, Down to the Nub is the cigar community supporting the cigar community, and that's what we're here for is to engage with all of you. Absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. That's going to end this show for this week, and uh, we look forward to catching you guys on the live. Yes, we will see you uh, in the next episode. And until then, take care. Bye-bye.